If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Antoinette Foster. Antoinette's been here on before. She's our equine nutritional therapist. And today she's going to talk about 10 things most people don't know about pain and inflammation in horses. How are you, Antoinette? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. Antoinette, we talked, you know, I sort of threw you right in the deep end last time and said, right, what's your favourite quote, favourite tips? But this time we're going to talk about 10 things most people don't know about pain and inflammation in horses. Just tell us a little bit about why you came up with this topic, why you chose this. I mean, obviously, there are things that most people don't know. Do you think it's a, something that people just aren't aware of because horses show pain and inflammation in different ways to, say, what we do, human to human? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it, it is very often missed in horses. And if we make a comparison, you know, between ourselves and our horses, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, often when I, in fact, I think it's the most common question that I'll ask at a seminar or presentation it will be of the audience, has anyone in the audience ever not suffered pain in their lives? And it's a foolproof uh, question because you always get, the same answer because, of course, no one puts their hands up. Mm. Clearly, you know, pain is very common within the human health uh, area and I think we have to be very mindful of the fact that it, it's it's the same. In fact, it's actually worse in the horse industry. Yes, yes, okay. And, and even just considering it takes them from being some sort of mechanical form of transport to actually a living, breathing animal, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think really, to be honest, the, the biggest problem is that it is often missed and there's often great ways of being perhaps more, I guess, mindful of the possibility of pain and I feel that, that that's an aspect that people tend to just, you know, not intentionally forget about but, but they do forget about it. Sure, sure. So the first thing that you've got here is how often do you consider your horse may be in pain? Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, Mm. absolutely. I think this is something that uh, impacts on, of course, our lives and and our horse's life on a daily basis because when we look at the anatomy and physiology of the horse, it's not really designed for the purpose that we use them for. It has a, a long, rigid spine, uh, a long neck, a very heavy head. I'm sure we've all held a horse's head. It's quite heavy. Yes. Uh, and it's not, you know, the, the actual spine, of course, is not flexible like a dog or a cat. So they don't have that flexibility. And then we, of course, add the bridle, the saddle and the rider And, of course, we have to be aware that the rider can impact enormously on the horse as far as pain is concerned. I just know myself, for example, I'm very weak on the left side. I've I've just recently started Pilates. You know, I keep pretty fit, but 
uh, I've it's been pointed out to me very clearly that uh, oh Antoinette you you don't have much strength in your left leg and it is very obvious to me when I ride for example when I ride leg yield or half pass you know from from left to right so right that uh, I, I often feel myself sitting on my left seat bone and of course this is creating a problem and this is you know I'm just one of many riders and I'm I'm no Grand Prix rider but you know I'm of all the riders that are on their horses backs for example if if they are not sitting perfectly on their seat bones evenly then there is a risk that they will be causing an interference with the horse and in turn uh, there'll be pain associated with that yes We've only got to sit crooked for a little while ourselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it's very common. I think pain is very common. If we add all of those into the equation, mm-hmm. we can pretty much surmise that there there probably is going to be some kind of a minor, if not major, issue with the horse at some point in the horse's life, yep. if not daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it might be. Okay. The next point we've got, is considering how many problems can be related to pain. Well, I think that's a bit of a minefield. So uh, a lot of horses that come to us with uh, perhaps what they might consider is a behavioural issue, for example, Um, you know, very often that's actually not the case. Very often it is actually pain-related. So if we take a scenario, we have, um, we go to the gym, for example, Uh, anyone who goes to the gym, they may have a personal trainer. They might just go on their own. Uh, they'll go, say, however many days a week. And each time they go, they might challenge themselves a bit more. And we all know that by doing that, we are also challenging our muscles and our body overall. And we do end up with definitely some discomfort. So that's quite normal. So if we consider that the horse with all of those uh, additions, that's the, the saddle, the bridle and, and the rider, and then that even equates to, to to what discipline, but even just riding around an arena, for example, we consider, say, uh, it doesn't matter what age horse, but as the horses are being perhaps trained up through the ranks, if it's a dressage horse, for example, so from a young horse through to, to Grand Prix, we know that uh, each day you are challenging the horse further. And there is no way that that horse will not suffer some discomfort because the muscles become sore and tight just as they do when we go to the gym and we challenge ourselves. So that's a big one. Um, so just working the horse is is a major factor. So there's, a, there's kind of a, a network of things that can occur. And I think very importantly, we need to look at the overall management of the horse, which is something that's very important to me and very dear to my heart, even even though you know a lot of what we do, of course, is, is nutrition. But nutrition is kind of the key to all sorts of things. And you know, if your horse is healthy and and uh, you know, well-being is taken care of, immune function is supported, then of course, even that you know will support the muscles as well. So there might be a reduction in the severity of discomfort associated with a good nutrition plan as okay. well. So yes. Yep. Yep, yep. Yes, and, you know, as you said, the overall management of the horse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of be including perhaps body work, good body workers, um, an acupuncturist, whatever, you know, someone that I always say always, always find someone who is 
fully qualified, i.e. they really are qualified. Mm. So they have done the studies, that they know the anatomy and physiology, they know exactly their way around the horse, they know exactly how to treat the horse. And I think just like we have massages and, and osteopaths, et cetera, our horses definitely need to, to have the same, and I think that needs to be quite regular. It is dependent on the type of workload too, but, I mean, if you have a, a pleasure horse, and a lot of our clients have got pleasure horses, and it doesn't matter what your horse is doing, so the, the severity or the, the possibility of pain related to work may be a little bit less. But in saying that, a lot of our pleasure horse riders, they'll ride their horse sometimes for two or three hours on the weekend and they'll have no work during the week. So you have to think that even that can impact on the discomfort level with the horse. Yes, yes. All right, now the third point we're going to talk about here is are horses like humans when it comes to pain and pain thresholds? Do they react the same way? Do they feel it the same way? Just tell us a bit of comparison there. Yeah, I think there's a very similar comparison. I guess the disadvantage is that horses can't speak and we can. So horses then have to deal with it in a very different way as far as how they react. You know, with us, we can we can say, oh, hey, you know, my, my back's really sore, my lower back's sore, you know, my neck's sore. Where with a horse, it's almost a bit of a, a searching, uh, I guess you've got to go on a search to find out what could be wrong. I just think that... Um, a horse will tell you a horse has got the most amazing body language. And, for example, if you're working your horse one day and the horse works, and we all have this, the horse works really well one day, and then the next day it just will not, you know, go for a walk to canter sure. on the right rein for some reason. And, you know, I think rather than saying, well, what? What is wrong with you? You know, yesterday you were fine. I think we have to sort of break it down. I think, well, there has to be a reason why yesterday you were okay and today you're not. Yes. And I think that uh, the horse has the ability to tell us in so many ways. Of course, each horse has a different way of communicating because they're all individuals. But I think at the end of the day, pain thresholds will vary like they do with humans where some have low thresholds and some have really high thresholds. So their reaction will be comparative to that, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Tell us about what types of natural pain management may be available. This is point number four. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we, in many cases, when we look at using, for example, um, non-steroidal medications, they can be very effective. But at the end of the day, and, and I'm also not saying too that they're not necessary because sometimes you really do need uh, an anti-inflammatory drug. Mm -hmm. But um, the problem, of course, with that inflammatory process is that, you know, pain, heat, redness, swelling, they're all symptoms of that inflammatory process. And we, we probably need to look at ways of supporting that inflammation or inflammatory process as much as we can in a, in a natural way uh, to allow the body to, to heal and allow the body to, to not have any interferences or blocking that natural healing process, which, of course, an anti-inflammatory drug can do. So it's the same old, same old, you know, when we take an anti-inflammatory for a headache, for example, it is treating the symptom, not the complaint. It actually is blocking that, that natural healing process. So, you know, we, we like to think that there are other ways to to support the horse as far as dietary supplements, herbal supplements are concerned. And there's lots of amazing studies out there now to suggest that there are many herb, herbs, for example, and also dietary supplements that can support the horse as far as pain is concerned. We're not talking either about 
a serious injury or something like this, but that's a different kind of area of pain because that's an accident-based pain. But we're talking more about the day-to-day pain, and I believe that if we can manage that with the horse, in other words, incorporate that into your diet plan with your horse, and there's lots of products around that can do that. Um, some herbs that you know, we might be very aware of are things like... Um, Kukimolonga or turmeric, which is one that's, that's quite well known, mm-hmm. but also very much misunderstood. So Kukimolonga or turmeric, a lot of people believe that the culinary version of turmeric or Kukimolonga can be quite effective with pain relief, but in actual fact, it's really ineffective. It, it is a culinary herb for that purpose. So we need to look at uh, different forms of Kukimolonga, for example, so an extract form that is then very high in curcuminoids, which is the one that is directly related to pain relief and also has a really powerful antioxidant effect. So curcuminoids are the ones that we're looking for, or tetrahydrocurcuminoids, which is sort of a more isolated version. Whereas when we look at the uh, culinary herb turmeric, it only has around about four to five, not even that, probably say two to five percent curcuminoids, where an extract will have up to 95 percent. So that's a really good one. Um, again, Boswellia serrata is another one. I always recommend, you know, we only use extracts within our formulations. Extracts are very powerful. We obviously only use oral grade for human consumption. You know, you can eat all of our products for that reason, which is really good. Um, So, you know, we can take them too. But um, there's lots and lots of different types of herbs, you know, like um, rutagraviolum, yanhusuo. Um, There's a, a, a wealth of herbs that can be used as far as supporting pain relief and and also being more as a preventative as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a combination of amino acids um, are great, you know, in conjunction with, you know, specific herbs, for example. I'm not one that has a great deal of faith in glucosamine because um, studies proved many, many years ago that it was really not very effective. Um, it needed to be used in conjunction with um, chondroitin sulfate and very often that is derived from uh, from fish. It's fish-based. Yes. So that's an area of concern uh, definitely for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, the bottom line is that we're sort of looking at uh, ways to, to take care of our horse uh, in, a, in a preventative way as well so that we can reduce the risk of, of soreness in the horse primarily. Yeah, yeah. And if we can do it in that a makes preventative sense. way, that's going to be yeah. best for the horse, you know, and that's really what we're looking yeah. at is, is what's the best for the horse's welfare uh, to give us Absolutely. the best results. Because if, if we can do something preventative, um, that's much better than the horse getting sore and then we have to treat it anyway. Well, I mean, it is 100%, absolutely. And, you know, we have a much happier, healthier horse and one that's quite happy to work. Yeah. 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 All right. The next thing we've got is pain can create situations that can escalate and make the problem worse. So what would you mean, you know, is that behaviour-wise or is that, yeah, if you can tell us about that anyway. Yeah, I think I've actually sort of meant, I've probably doubled up on that a little bit. But, um, look, absolutely 100%. There's no doubt that pain can create situations where uh, the horse will become uh, anxious and perhaps there's a behavioural issue there as well. 
So that can definitely uh, be influenced by pain. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's sort of, uh, look, um, the variation will depend on, on the horse itself, so whether or not it's going to react, for example. But, I mean, you know, it can it can escalate to a point where the horse can become quite unruly and, you know, may buck or whatever, you know, it might get bucked off, which isn't yeah, a, good, yeah. a good scenario. So uh, pain really can get to the stage where those problems become, um, you know, worse and worse and worse. And, and they I can think hurt also, themselves, can't they? They can throw themselves oh, around definitely. so badly that they, yeah, they, can, they can themselves so yeah. badly. Mm. But I think, again, it's also about us not uh, understanding yes. that this is a problem, you know, and trying to perhaps ride through it or um, because we don't, it's not sort of in the front of our, our minds, you know, we're not thinking that, oh, this can't be from pain, but it definitely can be. I know in, in my practice that uh, I see probably pain as being the number one issue that we treat. Yep. So I consider that if that's the case, and let's again, we look at humans and it's really so common in the human health uh, industry and because you know we we do both humans and horses and I mean really pain is so so common uh, osteoarthritis being sort of probably the number one up there as far as pain is concerned and I might mention there too that you know osteoarthritis is very common in in horses but it's also very manageable you know we manage the symptoms of osteoarthritis because like humans they're much better to be kept working than not working. Mm-hmm. All right, now number six, and we touched on it briefly before, horses are not designed for the job we've intended for them. Would you like to speak in a bit more depth now? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if we look how the horse has evolved, um, it's interesting, I just just wrote an article uh, a few days ago, someone wanted me to write a specific article about the evolution of the horse and, uh, you know, how has that affected the way we feed our horses today and, you know, is, is there any difference between the anatomy and physiology? Of course, you know, um, from the original, when you go right back, you know, 50-plus million years ago, um, of course there's been a change, but progressively it's interesting to note that the, the teeth um, have evolved to, of course, uh, be able to be in a position where they can, you know, chew, grind, uh, predominantly grasslands, pasture, etc. That's that sort of That's kind of been there from day one. So I think, you know, again, we look at the horse and we look at, okay, he has got that anatomy and physiology that really is not suited to be a ridden animal. I think what we have to appreciate too is that the horse, in my opinion, has got probably the biggest heart of of, of any animal. Uh, I think they're the most beautiful animals that exist, uh, that walk the planet. I think sometimes they're misunderstood. But I think, again, it's their heart that carries them through. So whilst they're not really designed for the job that, you know, we've intended them for, uh, I believe that their heart is what tends to kind of keep them together in situations where things might become a bit unstable. So definitely when we look at that anatomy and physiology, they are not definitely not designed to do the purpose that we ask them to do. And if you consider things like... um, you know, uh, cross-country, like three-star eventing, um, show jumping, uh, even obviously racing, uh, Grand Prix dressage, you know, Piaf Passage. Yes, we can argue that they naturally do Piaf Passage in the paddock, but to actually put, as I said, uh, a rider, a saddle, bridle, et cetera, and ask them physically, it becomes a lot more demanding and physically they're not really designed. So 
I think we have to hand it to the horse because I think they're pretty remarkable in how they 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 have that willingness to work with us. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. All right, another thing that you've touched on before was the bad behaviour because you're saying bad mm. behaviour is often pain-related, so speak a yeah. little bit about more about that. Yeah, I mean... Very often, uh, I think this, again, is probably the number one that is completely and utterly misunderstood. I think that, again, and, and it's not a reflection on the horse rider or owner either because it's not something that, that you would expect to be in the front of your mind because when you go out to work your horse, you know, you don't you don't think, oh, what if he's in pain, you know, before you get on. It's not something that you think about. Um, if the horse is fit, healthy, again, it's not something that you may think about. But bad behaviour is very often created from pain. And it's also because, as I mentioned briefly before, if the horse is willing one day, working well one day, and not so willing the next day, then it's there's that tendency to push them even further beyond what they think they're doing is just pushing them beyond that, that, no, come on, come on, you know, you're, you're, you should be able to do this. Um, if there's pain associated with that, then the reaction can be quite catastrophic. Uh, it can be quite mild. As I, get, as I said before, there's those pain thresholds that come into play there. But it can be quite dramatic, and the horse may react in a way where it might take off. You know, again, we think about horses, they are creatures of flight and they they can be reactive. They're also creatures of habit. So again, this bad behaviour, if you don't get to the bottom of it, it will actually escalate and become more of a problem for the rider. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it, at that stage, if you, if you hit a brick wall, you then have to break that down and think, well, why am I hitting a brick wall? Not literally, but I mean, why, yes. am, I, why am I hitting a brick wall? What can I do here to break that down and find out what could be causing the problem in the first place? Yeah, yeah. All right. It's easy to blame the horse, isn't it? You know, it's easy to just say, oh, that horse is so badly behaved, but um, not considering everything and the reasons why. Yeah. 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 And, and again, it's not a reflection on the rider. I think it's just this is probably just a normal human reaction, you know, is that why, why are you doing this to me today? You know, yesterday you were great, the day before you were great, why are you doing this to me today? Like they schemed yeah. something they saw yesterday, they've schemed and this is what they're going to get yeah. today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They saw themselves in the mirror and thought, yes. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should be doing something else here. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right. Number eight, we've got most nervous horses are not nervous at all. Much comes from tension associated with pain. Yeah, I think this is a very common one, certainly because we do a lot of equine profiling, probably maybe you know up to 40 per week. And I've taught all my, my staff, and as, as you know, all my staff are qualified, and they all know that the first thing to do is to look at what the owner is feeding the horse because, once again, there is a direct relation uh, between tension and nervousness and a high-carbohydrate diet. So if the horses are being fed a diet that is too high in carbs, and it is potentially either genetically predisposed to being a nervous tense horse or it just is, then, of course, that can actually contribute to it. But when we look at it, we, we find that most nervous horses, or at least that are demonstrating nervousness or tenseness, have have really come from pain. So pain can create 
that tension, so they will become tense. Again, it's very often these horses that are very, very sensitive and probably have, you know, um, a, a low pain threshold so that they're not really going to be able to deal with it very efficiently. And these are the ones that we find uh, are the most, I guess, reactive to being tense and nervous. So so they, they are sensitive. And, you know, I find sensitive horses are generally very kind horses too. So I find just my own experience, you know, in, in, with, with horses, I find that those sensitive ones that are generally very kind and, and probably don't really want to do the wrong thing by you ever. But, you know, when there is pain involved, then those sensitive ones can become extremely tense. So when you go out to compete, for example, uh, we know, of course, I'm sure I'm not, everyone's the same. When you go out to compete, you know, you you are nervous. It's like a, a performer going on stage, you know, it's quite normal to be nervous. In fact, I think it's really normal to be nervous. And of course, if your horse is tense, from pain already, then that nervousness is going to obviously increase more and more. And it also is directly related to how you're feeling. So if your horse is feeling tense, you are going to be tense as well. And again, you might try and push through that. But I think that um, that pain is, is a real factor in tension in horses. That's one of those symptoms that, you know, we should be looking for definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next point you've got, this is number nine, go back through them mm. in a minute. Is, yep. If a horse is broken incorrectly, then the forward aid should always work. Well, I think this is a very good one because uh, it, it's true if your horse has been broken in in the right way, you know, um, I suppose um, sympathetically and and uh, correctly, that the horse really should be very happy that when you put your leg on, the horse should just go forward and, and happily work, you know, so it should work. So I find that if you put your leg on a horse and there's this sort of reaction where no, uh, and the no is sort of, mm, okay, something's creating a problem for me to allow me to go forward. Now there are, as we'll talk next, there's lots of um, reasons and types of pain and there's lots of reasons that cause pain. But I do believe that this is an indicator. So if you, again, have a horse that for a week is uh, the forward button is there and it's it's active and your horse is reacting to it and then the following week you don't have that, then I think, again, you need to think, well, there's got to be a reason for this. Again, you can't push your way through that. You have to ask the question, why is the horse suddenly not wanting to go forward? Yeah, yeah. So it's the consistent going forward every time you ask the horse. And as you say, you talked before about communication and signals. The fact that you put your leg on and all of a sudden the horse puts his ears back and goes tense. And you just think, wow, what's caused this? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think that's a, that's a really interesting one because I think it's one that people maybe don't think very much about, but mm. I think it's one that is very relevant to, to pain. Yes, yes, and it could be a memory of pain because they might have gone to go forward and got grabbed in the mouth or something or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and uh, this is a very real thing because they are creatures of habit and unfortunately statistically, or you know, it's been proven that horses tend to, remember those cases where it's not a good memory yes. and that very often is associated with pain. Mm -hmm. So and they, they do, I mean, each horse is, it varies with its capabilities as far as, you know, 
uh, how easy is the horse to train, how intelligent is the horse to work with, how much does the horse retain. But because they are creatures of habit and, and you know, it's a behavioural pattern that could be developing, then I think, again, it needs to be addressed yeah. very quickly. Yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. The last one we've got to talk about is the types of conditions that cause pain. So this is a bit of a minefield, of course, because there's so many things that can cause pain. You just mentioned one, then Glenn is just talking about, you know, if you if you jab the horse in the mouth, for example, mm. a mouth pain is quite common. And I've just learned very recently because I um I work a lot with an amazing equine dental technician, Sally Ann Robinson, and she's very highly qualified from the UK. And I just had her out recently to do a bitting with my own horse to discover that what I thought was a five and a half inch mouth, in fact, is not. My horse has a much smaller mouth. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I consider I'm, I'm very knowledgeable, but obviously when it comes to, you know, bitting and, and dentistry, I'm not a horse dentist, but she, and she is. So discovering this was interesting and it is a subject that, I think needs to be talked about because we we are very aware that in many cases that bits are ill-fitting and they might be too big or too small for the mouth. Now, if that's the case, then you, you automatically have a problem with pain. So uh, an ill-fitting bit is one. Uh, and that can also be that perhaps the, the bridle is, is too tight as well and with the bit in the mouth, that's one. A very, very common one is obviously pain from an ill-fitting saddle, and this is extremely common. Now, we know we've got some really good saddle fitters around these days. They're really great. They do a fantastic job. Uh, We work with a few of them. But again, this is a, a really big one because if the saddle is not fitting correctly, then this can cause a lot of discomfort through the horse's back. And again, if a rider is sitting crookedly due to the saddle not fitting correctly, so let's just say the saddle sits a little bit to the left or right, then we're, we're obviously applying more pressure in, in the wrong spots. And the other one that ties in with saddles and saddle fitting is the location of the saddle. So very often I see this all the time, is that saddles are not sitting behind the scapular bone. They're sitting just on the edge or actually even further forward. Mm-hmm. And not only does this restrict the horse's movement, but it can cause discomfort over a period of time as well. And the saddle itself, you know, is never going to ride uh in the right way for the rider themselves if the saddle is sitting in the wrong location. So that's one. Two. Um, so the other very common complaint is, is definitely muscle soreness. This is probably the most common of all, and this is connected with, of course, horses that um, you know, are working consistently and going through different training programs, using different muscles, uh, of course, creating discomfort, which we did touch on briefly, but it is a very, very big one. It's a very, very common problem. Um, certainly for us, you know, we do a lot of preventative uh, treatments for horses because, we, again, we come down to the simple fact that, uh, that anatomy and physiology and the way that we ride our horses, the way we work our horses, that we want to make sure that they're comfortable all the time. So we do everything we can do to make that, I guess, 
scenario a really good one so that when you finish riding your horse, working with your horse, that the horse comes out with a, a happy face and so do you. So muscle soreness is extremely common, very, very common, and that can be hamstrings, it can be glutes, it can be um, muscles through the back, uh, through the neck, uh, through the pole. So, you know, there's there's so many muscles that it can affect. And again, very similar to what will happen to a human who is perhaps doing a different type of exercise regime from one day to the next. So the same kind of relation there. Um, the most common, which I touched on, is probably osteoarthritic conditions, so bone yes. conditions in horses. Mm-hmm. Um, this can vary from, you know, quite severe lameness to probably maybe, you know, for me, I would definitely pick it up if the horse is even short-stepping a centimetre behind or in front. I would see it um, because you know, we've worked with it for so many years. So, you know, osteoarthritis can cause that discomfort and soreness and lameness, and then, of course, you have this kind of, yeah, escalation of, of uh, I guess, function of the animal overall. Mm-hmm. So managing that is really important because it is very common and managing it to maintaining the discomfort is the key to that. So once again, if you have the horse comfortable and happy and is not suffering from pain, then the horse will very, very likely work very well for you. Okay. So osteoarthritis is very common. Um, things like, you know, abscess. So um, perhaps uh, stone bruises, again, these can be quite painful for a horse. So, you know, they need to be looked after and managed very quickly because they can sort of become uh, an issue. With an abscess, you know, you really can treat that, you know, with, with herbs and dietary supplements without actually even getting the farrier out. And I always think if you can avoid getting the farrier out because the sole of the hoof is very prone to infection. So it would be much better if if that abscess actually does burst through the coronet band in preference. That's probably a good thing. Um, And I think primarily they'd be the most important ones that would cause pain. There's obviously lots of other types of uh, ailments and, you know, injuries, of course, is is one that we did touch on. Injuries can be uh, quite catastrophic. They can be, you know, tendon ligament damage um, through to fractures. So that's a very different scenario. Of course, at that point, you definitely need to have veterinary advice, but, but the ongoing management, you can certainly do with uh, with herbs and dietary supplements as well. I think, Antoinette, let's just go briefly through them, just as a bit of a revision, um, the 10 points. And if I just I read them out, you could probably just give quick summaries. So how often do you consider your horse may be in pain? Yeah, so I think we have to think that this is probably going to be there's a possibility, shall I say, that it could be on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but I think it's more likely to be at least minimally on a on a weekly basis, yeah. and this is, again, dependent on the work level. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. The next one we talked about was how many problems can be related to pain, and I think you said it was a minefield or a I think so. Yeah, I think I think so because um, as we just touched on the types of conditions or some of them that can cause pain, but I think definitely there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of problems that can be related to pain, Mm. and I think that we just need to be a little bit more observant um, when we're bringing our horses up from the paddock or. Even I like to um, recommend observing. I think I mentioned this last time, just observing the horses in the paddock, you know, occasionally, maybe two or three times a week, just to see that everything is just the same. You know, yeah. there's nothing different going on. 
um, because you might be able to determine if there is an issue and it is pain-related. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of problems can be related, related to pain. <laughs> All right. Now, we talked about humans when it comes to pain and pain threshold and you explained that they can't speak, so they might have to deal a different way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they demonstrate their pain in the way that, the only way that they can, and that can be a behaviour or it can be, you know, maybe turning around and trying to bite you when you're cursing them up, for, <laughs> for example. That's another one. Community like that, and again, that can come back to, you know, an ill-fitting saddle. So I think that there's, I like to suggest to people that we we do try and relate ourselves to our horses and think how do we feel and then how do they feel? Yes. All right. Now, the next one was um, the types of natural pain management available. And you did mention there too, just to bring that up again, you know, just something like the culinary turmeric, which I know a lot of people feed, is between 2 and 5%, whereas if you get the extract, it's 95%. Yeah, curcuminoids, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, again, I, I, I think that extracts, if you're using extracts, I would also mention too that it's, I'm not a fan, being a, a nutritional therapist and medical herbalist, I'm not a fan of single-use herbs because I like that synergy and I like to increase the bioavailability mm-hmm. of the ingredients being used to get a higher result. So I prefer to use a combination to achieve a maximum result. Okay, okay, that's good. All right. Now, you said that pain can create situations that escalate and may make the problem worse. Yeah, definitely. So we know that if we ignore it, it's going to get worse. And again, if we relate ourselves to our horse, if we ignore pain, what happens? It doesn't usually go away. If it's muscle or bone related, it doesn't go away. So we know know ourselves we need to go. I know personally that I have lower back problems. And I have a saddle that fits my horse perfectly and all the rest of it, and it sits in the right position. But I have lower back problems. It's a long-term injury. And I go to an osteopath and I have massage. So I think we have to, again, think, well, what would happen if we ignored it? Would it go away or would it get worse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you talked about the, um, you know, you did talk about the evolution of the horse, but it's because horses Mm. are not designed for the job we've intended to. No, I think, again, we have to just look at the anatomy and physiology that we have got this this animal. It's a big animal. It's got a very long, rigid spine, um, and it's got a, a long uh, a long neck uh, and a very heavy head. And once again, we are trying to ask a horse that probably is not really designed for, you know, show jumping, dressage, whatever it might be, anything really. Um, and, yeah, that's that's of course is a problem because they're not really designed for it, yeah. and so therefore we we have to be very mindful of that too, and and work around that factor as well. Okay. And the next point you made was that bad behaviour is often pain related. Yeah, and I think this is this is quite significant, and it's probably very common that we see this. And I know just talking to a lot of clients with their horses that uh, if they have some. Uh, behaviour that's just come into their training that maybe they're pig rooting or whatever it might be and they've never done it before, uh, again, I would always say, have you ever considered that pain could be causing this? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Next one, most nervous horses are not nervous at all. Much comes from tension associated with pain. Yeah, again, I think too, it's probably not to sort of sound repetitive, but I think 
again, we would we would consider ourselves uh, next to our horses in this case too, so that I know myself that if I am really bad, my pain's really bad, for example, I forget to take my own product, for example, um, which is very common. Uh, you know, plumbers have leaky taps, nutritionists forget to take their own products, but um, same thing. But, you know, I know that I get really tense from pain. And mm-hmm. I think, again, you'd be a bit of a champion if you didn't become tense from pain. Yes. Uh, again, it's not something that can be ignored. So I think that nervous tension uh, is very significant when it comes to horses and pain. Okay. okay. The next point you made was if a horse has been broken incorrectly, then the forward aid should always work. Yes, I think this is a very important one to, uh, again, if a horse has been broken in by someone who does a wonderful job, then that forward button, that should always work. So I think if it's not working one day and it was working a few days ago, then I think you have to question, well, why? And could that be associated with pain as well? I think it is something that maybe people don't consider very often. It's that question why, isn't it? You know, if you're always questioning yeah. why did the horse do that and why, it makes us all more aware of what's actually going on and more able to even recognise the pain. I totally agree with you. I think that question why is, is, is very important and I think we need to ask that more. Yeah. Well, with anything, you know, I think never, never just accept it. Just always yes. question it because, you know, you'll get to the bottom of it if you do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, and the last one we've got is the, the types of conditions that can cause the pain. Yeah, so I think, again, we talked about muscle soreness probably being, I think, the most obvious one and, and one that that does cause the most issues in horses as far as pain's concerned because if it stands to reason, again, if we do that comparison between going to the gym one day and then doing something different the, the next, then, you know, we know that our muscles are going to be sore the following day. So yes. I think muscle soreness is probably the number one key as far as that connection to pain. But then, of course, there's obviously a lot of other conditions that are associated with pain too. Yeah, yeah. All right, Antoinette, that is great. That uh, that was the 10 things most people don't know about pain and inflammation in horses. And I think the information you've provided is obviously coming from someone with a big, you know, a lot of depth of knowledge um, in that particular area, not just about the pain, but how it can be fixed and how it can be prevented as well, the pain. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So thank you again for coming and talking to us. You're very welcome. Those people who've just come into this, they should probably go back and listen to 180 as well, which um, is another interview with Antoinette. And she's an equine nutritional therapist. So thanks very much for your time today, Antoinette, and hopefully we'll see you again sometime soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.